Welcome to Between Two Chairs, Demystifying Commercial Real Estate, the podcast that brings you the latest insights and trends on the South Florida commercial real estate market with your hosts, Fernando Arencivia Jr. and Jennifer Woolman. In each episode, we dive into the world of commercial real estate and break down complex concepts to make them accessible for everyone. Whether you're a real estate professional, a curious investor, or just interested in the South Florida market in general, Between Two Chairs is the podcast for you. So pull up a chair and join us. All right, so you're letting me do the intro today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Everybody's got to learn thank somehow. You. Everybody's got to learn somehow. So <laughs> baptism by fire. So we were chatting the other day and decided to make this episode about the words or the investment strategy buy low. So the title of this episode is buy low, and everybody, whether it's in stocks or real estate, any type of investment, you always hear people say, "Well." buy low, sell high, that's how you make money. Well, duh, you know, I, that's kind of what I feel like. Well, what, what does that mean? What does buy low, sell high mean? And how do you predict when the right time to buy is? So everybody always says in the stock market, yeah, buy low, sell high, but it's hard to predict the market, right? Because it's just basically a guess. So with real estate, we're a little bit more lucky in the sense that there's definite real estate cycles. And at some point in time, that cycle is gonna be lower than it is high and and you're gonna see it uh, starting to go down, you're gonna see a bottom and then you're gonna see it starting to go up. We talked about different experiences that we had, you know, in buying low, you know, if people look at when I bought my house in Miami, I don't know, 30 something years ago. If they're waiting for the price to go back to that, my son always says, well, of course you bought low. Well, guess what? When I bought back then, it wasn't low. It was low compared to now, but it wasn't low. When I bought my first investment property, we did a syndication. We bought at the height of the market. We bought right before the recession. Um, We bought an office building. We paid top dollar. Interest was high but it was a super well-located office building. There was a ton of demand for office in that particular market, which was in the South Miami area. And we just sold it last year and we made a really good return on that. So did we buy low? Absolutely not. We bought high, we bought at the height of the market. Did we still make money? Yes. Why? Because it was in a good location and all of the financials were sound, right? So what does buy low really mean? And and I think more importantly, is that really the, at the top of your criteria when you're acquiring investment commercial property or really any kind of real estate, right? Because it is part of the criteria. Price is obviously going to be part of the criteria. I find that the most successful commercial real estate investors don't put that at the top of the list when they are weighing what criteria is more valuable than others. Otherwise, people would never buy an asset that has appreciated tremendously year over year, for example, right? And the reality is that it's very difficult to time the market. Correct. And and to be a, a wise real estate investor, 
you have to have in your array of underwriting a property, because that's ultimately what you do as an investor, is you underwrite the property, which means you're gonna study the income, you're gonna study the location, the, the future valuation, you're gonna study what upside you can add, the quality of the property, the quality of the tenants, all those items to determine not only whether, number one, do you wanna acquire the asset, but number two, at what price does it make sense for you to acquire the asset? Very difficult to time a market, and it doesn't only apply to real estate, it applies to stocks as well. Oh, of right? course, of course, um, and the market isn't the same for every asset class either, or right. in every market. Like we just said in our Correct. last podcast, right. the Miami market right now is very strong. Correct. Even though the rest of the country is not. Right. Does that mean we're gonna continue upward, upward, and everyone else is gonna go right. through a downward cycle and we're not? Of course not. Right. It just means that the cycle in Miami is gonna right. be different than the cycle in other right. states, right? Yeah. And within an asset class, so office is an asset class This is that is kind yeah. of hurting everywhere, but maybe industrial doesn't hurt because even though demand is decreasing right. for industrial, there's still so little of it. So I wanna share, because I know this is a commercial real estate podcast, but you know, we all own our own home, you know? Right. And so <laughs> at the end of the day, this is an experience that I think a lot of people can relate to because it may not have happened exactly this way for you, but I think it is a relatable story, which is, you know, I bought I bought a house for my family and myself six years ago, and the day that we're moving in, this little old lady is walking down the, the sidewalk, and um, the neighbor had already told me about her. So I me, mean, listen, she's always walking up and down the, you know, the neighborhood, and she likes to get to know people, and she likes to really develop relationships. She's one of these neighbors that is involved in everything. And she was a person that had no filter. And so it, immediately the first thing she asked me was, you know, what did you buy the property for? Now, look, it's public records, it, it shows up. So I told her my price. And then she was like, oh my God, I cannot believe you paid that much for the property. <laughs> you know, I cannot believe I paid $64,000, you know, <laughs> for the property back in 1979. We, I, I remember- Were when, you even born in 79? I, I was born in okay, 79. I was born before 79, you know. <laughs> I, I'm happy, to, I don't have a problem divulging my age, so I was five years old in 1979. Okay, so you couldn't have so, bought that house no, in No, I couldn't have bought it, right, okay. exactly. And look, that's a valid point, right? There was no way. But it's interesting, because I had, I got a great friend of mine, years ago, he's renovating his bathroom, right? And at the time, it was gonna cost him $7,000 to renovate the bathroom, right? And uh, this is over 20 years ago. And his dad was like, $7,000 renovate the bathroom, I can't believe, I paid $2,500 to renovate my bathroom, 10 years before that. And he goes, dad, the Whopper is also not 25 cents anymore. <laughs> you know, like if right. you do the comparability, you know? Right. And that's what I wanted to tell the lady, like, senora, the Whopper is not 25 cents anymore, you know, so. <laughs> but what I do find interesting is about this, you know, buy low is that I've had conversations with a lot of people. We've, we've gone through a huge amount of price appreciation in the Miami market over the last three, four years. And look, this is very personal to me. I still go and get a haircut. Now I know it doesn't look like why I should be going to get For a haircut. For those of you that aren't looking at us on <laughs> oh, video, true. he yes. is bald, bald, bald. Okay, well. Look, well, he does have facial hair I think and that's a little That's a little exaggeration. Yes, I, 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 <laughs> I have the facial hair because I didn't want my barber to just make money for, you know, shaving my head. So, you know, I got to give him a little, too. yeah, yeah, he's yeah. got to do a little something. But I go, I, I go to my barber and one of the barbers that sits in the chair next to my barber, 
He's always talking to me about real estate. And for five years, he's telling me, I got this money saved. I want to invest. And he's had every reason in the book why I think that the market has to adjust. I think that we're, we're due for an adjustment. It's been five years. If he would have bought five years ago at those prices, he would have experienced at least a 56% appreciation. He would have <laughs> had incredibly low interest rates. He would have had an incredibly performing asset. He had an opportunity to buy a fourplex in Westchester, which is a tenant-heavy area in some areas in Westchester. He would have done extremely well. And it was a property that was built in 1981, so it wasn't right. an old property. You know, four units, all two bedrooms. He would have done tremendously well. And, right. and, I, and every time I see him, and I just saw him this week, I yeah, just tell him, you're still trying to, to time the market, <laughs> and there's no way to time the market. Right. But that, that being said, it's true, right? If you are really dialed in to the market or you work with a professional yeah. who is dialed into the market, you're going to get a fairly good idea as to where you are in the cycle. I mean, if yeah. all of a sudden, you know, if we've built, you know, 3 million housing units and rents are going down, or yeah. we've got a ton of vacant retail stores and every strip True. center you go to has five or six, mm -hmm. you know, empty stores and people are giving away, you know, right. five, six months of free rent and a ton of TI, then you can say, okay, we're either at the bottom or we're going down. You're, right now in Miami, we're not seeing that, right? We're not seeing right. huge vacancy rates. Yeah. We're seeing um, we're not seeing a ton of TI, right? Um, and and we're seeing a lot of demand, yeah. right? We still have people even now that yeah. when when I have two people that are coming down here from the Northeast, they're expanding their business, and I specifically ask them, "Are you yeah. sure? Because what you're seeing in the Northeast, you're not going to see here. You're still going to yeah. be paying." higher rents, you're going to get very little TI. You'll get mm -hmm. some, but you're going to get very little. And there's not a huge amount of room to negotiate that because there are right. four other restaurants who want your space. So that is kind of part of it. But you yeah. can look at a cycle and try to maybe yeah. not, you're not going to get the absolute bottom unless you're really right. lucky, but right. you can kind of gauge where you are. But I think what you're referring to is not necessarily timing, but it's more about the the market fundamentals. Correct. So for example, you're looking at, well, is my is the property that I'm buying, is the inventory saturated? Is there too much inventory? So is there no upside here on, on that valuation? Is it difficult for me to get tenants? Is it, is it gonna be very expensive for me to convert the property because I have to make it smaller based on new tenant uh, you know, requirements? What is gonna be my TI? What is gonna be my total investment after I buy the property? So let's look at some items. And one is obviously is the location. You, know, you, you wanna understand your market. You wanna understand right. how that piece fits within the marketplace and what is going to continue to add value. Right. You know, and I think that the, the, you know, those things are important. You're gonna look at the property condition, right? Because you're buying something. If I'm buying something that is brand new, then you know, I have deferred capital uh, you know, improvements. I don't have to make that additional investment. I know I don't have to put a roof for 10 years. I, and I know that even my TI is minimal. That has a lot of value. So I might not be buying at the top of the market, but I might be evaluating that for 10 years, I'm not going to have to add another penny to this property, right? Correct. Or very little amount of money into the property. You're going to look at the tenant quality as well. You know, is there going to be high turnover? Is there going to be a lot of management expenses in order to manage the property? So that's another item that is going to be important in that, in that requirement. You're going to look at cash flows, of course, because 
you know, real estate, commercial real estate is about the numbers. So we got to make sure the numbers are right. Any future development plans. And, and here's where it gets interesting, right? And lastly, I'll say financing options because that makes the deal, you know, where price might be at, at the top. But to your point, if he would have bought it, my class, if, if this gentleman would have bought five years ago, he would have been in an environment in which he would have been able to lease that to, to get a loan for below 4%. Yeah. Right. So the, 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 the inexpensive amount of, of capital that he would have been able to utilize would have really made his internal rate of return a lot higher on that asset. Now, let's talk a little bit about this future development plan, because I think that there are, that is an element of, of property valuation and timing the market and when, when to buy and all stuff that is important. And I'll give you an example. And what I mean by that is that is the property that you're buying utilized at its highest and best use at the time that will generate the most income and that's gonna generate the highest return on the investment. So I have a client who was looking at, uh, this is you know many, many years ago, again in North Beach, looking at this 18 unit apartment building to buy as an investment. He was running the numbers and I remember it took us a little bit of time to, to get it on their contract. We have it on their contract. We have to close before the end of the year. This is like end of November. So we got about 30 days to close. He's running into about 10 days left on his due diligence period. So he's gotta make a decision. He calls me and he tells me, Fernando, I don't think the numbers work. I'm concerned we're paying at the top of the market, right? At that time, $100,000 a unit for 18 studios. The average at that time was about, you know, you could get away with 75 to about $83,000 a door. This property had been renovated, had a brand new roof. So again, there, were some, there was some value added already in the property, fully leased. But now he's telling me the numbers don't work like that. But it just so happens that because when you're representing somebody in an area, you want to get to know the area. And in that transition, we have met two doors down, literally two doors down, a lady that had converted her apartment building into a hotel. And it was a 10 apartment, 10 key hotel. You know, we, we call them mm -hmm. keys in hotels. So she had 10 keys. She had built this beautiful pool and a restaurant in the back. And she was telling us that, look, we're making money on the restaurant and the place is full but I made a mistake. I have too few keys, 10 units. It's not enough. 10 keys is not enough for me to really make it work. So I remember that conversation. I remember that we had a good rapport and I told him, I told my client, okay, I want you to go back and reevaluate this asset, not as a year over year, 365 day at least rental. right rental, but to look at it as you already have this lady that has created a, a nice branded small hotel. She has the infrastructure in place, the software, everything ready to go. She is at full capacity. She doesn't have enough rooms for the number of people that have, she, her demand is super exceedingly. Can you convert those 18 units into also hotels so that that way you can go ahead and, and make a deal with her, use her same infrastructure. She instantly adds another 18 units. So she almost triples her pool of keys of, of units in the hotel and you know, now the numbers will work. He looked at the average daily rate. He looked at what she was uh, earning. He called her, he comes back, he goes, Fernando, it's a no brainer. And from that day on, everything else went smooth and we closed the deal by the end of December. So he acquires the property. He never does any of that because he realizes that the rents were undervalued. He did a couple things to the building. He was able to increase rents, but he always had that in the back of his mind. Like I could always do that. And in a matter of a short four years, that property ended up selling almost at twice its price. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what I mean by when you're looking at the situation, a lot of people want to look for, you know, they want the, they want a deal. They call you, I want a deal. I want this, you know, but sometimes you have to create the deal, right? right? You have to find creative ways in which, 
Maybe this property is not being utilized and it's being sold for one purpose, but it has a higher and better and better purpose where the numbers now, you know, make sense. And in that time, he was he bought at the height of the market. He wasn't timing it, right, as right. if, you know, per se, but the fundamentals were there. Right. Right. And the fundamentals right. in the area also supported the purchase. It wasn't that this was the reason why he bought it. There were other aspects that really cemented the decision on purchase. You know? Right. And and again, not to poo-poo all of the economists and investors and everything who say buy low and sell high, because if let's say he found that deal and he had bought it at the bottom of the market, of course. right, then, okay, yes, of he course. would have made more. Yes. But the other thing is, would that have been available? Would that property have been available or something like it? So... I think timing the market involves predicting the market. You can yeah. you can guess the cycle, but the reality is, to your point, is if you find a deal or you can create a, a deal where there isn't one, but right. to your point, that location was great because it allowed for it to be a hotel or value-added right. multifamily. Buy it. Don't wait for the market to go down. So You know, some, you, you said something that is really interesting here because... And I and you know and I'll go back to this because I think it I think it relates. Do you know that the majority of realtors overpay for the property? Have you have you heard that stat? It, it's not, not really an official stat, uh-huh, but and I'm not that. saying investment, but I'm talking about their their the home that they live in. That most most realtors will usually pay top price or above asking for the home that they're buying for themselves. And the reason for that is because to your point, guys, we're not selling something that's coming out of a factory floor. These are not widgets that are cookie cutter mm-hmm. and the same. Mm-hmm. And what a realtor knows that a lot of people don't know is that that property that you like might never come back on the market, you know, or one like it might not be there. Right. So you got to take advantage of when you go into a real estate market, you're buying the inventory that is there or the inventory that might be there within the time that you're doing the search. Right. But you're you're limited to to a degree by what the inventory is available. And so, you know, I, I've had a lot of investors that look at look at the whole paradigm and they're like, you know, there's there's nothing to buy. Everything is overpriced, whatever it is. Then I have investors that really know a market and right. know an area right. and they're like, it's going to be very hard for me to find something like this in the next five years. So I'll buy it now at, at today's price because I know that the appreciation will be there. And I know that there are things that I could do with the way that I manage that property that are going to add value. Or if you if you look at an area, you could be looking and Winwood is a prime example, right? With Tony mm-hmm. Goldman, he just had that eye. Right. He didn't wait for the bottom of a market, right? No. He just bought properties as they came available because he he saw the potential of that area. Yeah. Or you look at the developers and Alapada. So yeah, mm-hmm. the people who got in at the ground floor, I can't right. even tell you was it a high market no or doubt. not. I don't know because right. you know they got in, yeah. but it was a lower priced market in the yeah. Miami hotter market. For sure. And so they got in their low, yeah. right? So they got in their low, but there's still so much room for growth within Alapada yeah. if yeah. The, the people who had the vision, if that yeah. vision comes to fruition, right? Yeah. So um, that, that brings up another point, which is that you know, I think a wise investor has a thesis for their investment, right? They have they have an approach, they have a, a blueprint for what kind of investment they want to make and the reason is why they're investing. And, and that has to do with asset type, that has to do with location, 
And I once heard Tony Goldman speak at a ULI event, you know, may he rest in peace. And, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, he um, had a hand in the development of Soho in New York. And um, I forget the neighborhood in Philadelphia. He was a visionary. And I heard him speak and he says, I think that in order to turn around a neighborhood, his thesis was you need to come in there and you need to acquire a minimum of 13 to 17 properties. So you got to have 13 to 17 properties that you control. Then he says, then you have to make sure that you bring the artists, you bring all the creative people and that you give them an outlet and that you give them sustainability. That is not just a flash in the pan, you're here just for, for now until I bring up the value and then you're, you're kicked out, right? But that it has sustainability. Then he says, but now I can't do it on my own. So now I have to set it up so that other investors come in. You know, I need other mm-hmm. developers. I need other people to come in and join me in this fight to make sure that we create a sustainable growing neighborhood. And that's what he was able to do. But that is a very, you know, and I know we'll, we'll discuss this later, but I've had clients like that that are either specific about geography or they're specific about their asset class and they're specific about what they're going for. And for me, that that is super exciting for me because now it's almost like we're trying to apply a very methodical approach to investing. It is not a one-off, right? And it has a set of criteria that have been you know, created. An investor, you know, they say when you buy a stock, you got to buy a stock with the sale price in mind, right? And you, you make the money when you buy, and it's the same thing with real estate. And so every investor that is looking and they're not like, well, I can't buy low because five years ago this was cheaper. No, they have a theory that in the next five years, this is what's going to happen. And it's going to be based on all the items that we discussed, location, cash flow, tenant base, what's happening in the area, knowing what kind of economic engines are occurring, what are the moves that the municipalities are making. All of those things add to the decisions that we make. And so to purely go by buy low, you're going to miss a lot of deals and you're going to miss a lot of opportunities. Correct. And at the end of the day, all of my successful investors have a timeline as well. I'm going to add one more thing because I've, I've said this um, in a presentation at MIPM. The number one word in real estate is, you know, location, 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 right? That's the number one word in real estate. But the second word, and I forgot who said it, but somebody said it at CNBC when they were having a conversation about real estate investing is timing, timing, timing. But he says, but people misunderstand that aspect. They think it's about timing the market and buying low and then selling high. But what they are not understanding is if you buy and you hold and you improve the property and you improve the quality of the tenant and you improve the amenities and you do all those things and you give that time, it's as if it was a part of a recipe and it is probably the most difficult thing to do. But if you give that time, you're going to have a wonderful cake to eat (laughs) at the end of the baking process, right? And I think that that is, you know, the point of not getting stuck on this idea of buying low. That's a great point. And so it's really not timing the market. It's time in the market. Ah. And I think one of a better saying might be instead of buy low, sell high, might be don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. Mm. And that's the way to make money in real estate. And, you know, if you look around Miami, we have a lot of new people coming and investing, but we have a lot of families that have been here for decades and decades and decades. And they have property that they never sell. They never sell. They 
they hold it, they change it, they update it, they tear it down, they rebuild it, they, you know, but they don't sell it. So right. um, I think that that's, I think I like that better than buy low sell. <laughs> and the reality <laughs> is, is that if, yeah, yeah, buy and hold. And the reality yeah. is, is that if you're buying, if you're investing often enough, you are sometimes going to time the market. It's a little bit like dollar cost averaging and buying stocks. Yeah. If you find a deal and you're always setting aside some amount of money yeah. um, to invest in real estate, whether it's buying it directly or through a syndication or whatever, if you yeah. find a deal, and uh, the, the, buy last, it. The, the last thing I will say about that is really understanding the market that you're buying into and understanding every aspect of it. I can start working with a client that is looking for an investment property, and the first property we see is the best property. But because they have they have no time in the market, meaning that they haven't studied the market, they don't see what an amazing opportunity that is, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes there's gonna be that doubt of whether I'm overpaying, is this the right investment, all that stuff. But the more time that they study the market, they're looking at properties, the more, the, the easier it becomes for them to, when they see a real value, for them to say like, wow, that is an incredible buy. You know, and sometimes that's why I think that Successful real estate investors are real fans of looking at real estate and lots of it and really mm -hmm. getting to know an area and getting to know a market. And that's very important. And at some point, that investor doesn't even need to get into numbers. I have two right. investors. True. They're both multifamily. And... They just loved an area. This is the same woman that I took to a Little Havana and she saw the roosters <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm good with um, yeah. Coral Gables. But I, I, we would look at the numbers and she's like, oh, I don't need to look at numbers. Just show me the building. And she yeah. would walk into the building and if it felt good, she would buy it. And I'd be like, ay, ay, ay. <laughs> like that scared the hell out of me. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh. But it felt right to her. And the reason I finally realized is she had been looking at enough to know, like right. she didn't need to know what the numbers were with that building because right. she knew given the neighborhood and yeah. how many buildings she had seen and the other yeah. ones that she owned and what she'd rented them for, she just knew walking into a building that if it felt yeah. right, yeah, she would buy it. And if what it didn't about? feel right, she wouldn't buy it. But without knowing that at the beginning, you know, that's right. the benefit of having years of experience. Yeah, yeah. Someone just says, oh, it feels right. I'm going to buy it Let yeah. them, because yeah. they've been in the market enough. And the same yeah. thing with my other investor. She's bought a ton yeah. of properties in Coconut Grove and she's the same way. It just feels right. And she'll mm. go walk down the street and she'll like, whatever comes uh, up on the street, I want to buy it. I like the energy on the street. Yeah. So. That just goes to show you there are a million different ways to buy investment real estate. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, can... well, what it is, what it is true is that people that have bought it and hold it, held it, have done well, you know, over time because real estate as an asset, it's a growing, you know, it's it's a bank, you know, mm -hmm. it's a savings that you have there, and there is always potential for growth. That is really uh, a cool perspective because I, I do remember taking care of a client one time and they, they saw a property and they were like, oh, there's so much to do here and I got to renovate this. But she really wasn't feeling it, you know. Then then we went to the next property and she walks in and she goes like, oh, are you, she looks at me and she goes like, are you feeling this? Are you? <laughs> and you're like, no, it's are a you job. Guys it needs feeling way more this? work. And I'm like, this is way, <laughs> like you, you told me 
You didn't yeah. want to do, you right. know, renovation. Like, this is like down to the studs kind of thing. And she goes like, I, but I like it. I think it works. I think we could do well. So, you know. So she bought it. Just, oh, she yeah. bought it and she, and she, she did and do she well. Did and really she did a beautiful well. renovation and all that stuff. So it's great. All right. So we're coming to that first time. last time. So, so you what's your go? fun stat? All right. So listen. Do you like that name, I, fun stat? Uh, it, or not yeah, really. could, it could work. It could work. It okay. could work. So I was pulling up this. So this is really not much of a stat, but it's to the point of um, the corporate because I, I was reading this a month ago and then uh, something else connected me to it, which is that, you know, Miami has continues to be a magnet for corporate relocations. Last month, we had global banking giant Rothschild and company sign a lease for its first Miami office. Silicon Valley tech firm LeverX moved its global headquarters to the Magic City. And the local IT company, Kaseya, or Kaseya, I'm so sorry guys, announced that 3,400 job expansion. And then what did we find out yesterday? That the Miami Heat have agreed on a 17 year naming rights deal with Kaseya for their home arena. So now- $117 million. $117 million gets you the beautiful arena right on the bay named after you and it's going to be called Kaseya Center. So Can the Miami fit, I Heat. I wonder if they're going to be able to fit that on there. I still see the <laughs> I FTX think, on there. I think that they will. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm sure they'll do it. I'm, I, I think $170 million buys you, you know, uh, a few revisions on how they look and, you know, yeah. I'm sure those you. letters are going to look great uh, in, in every aerial shot. One way or the other. So it's uh, a pretty arena. It is a pretty arena, and because if, if anybody from Casilla is listening, we are both very happy to go yes. into your booth and visit you guys, and yes. you know attend one of the games. I know it's going to be a and lot of fun. Thank you for giving <laughs> our beautiful arena a name and <laughs> That's right. um, That's helping right. fund it. Because having it be the No Name Arena was a little uh, depressing. Exactly. Very yeah, depressing. Yeah, absolutely. So. Now I don't know if I can call mine a fun stat because it's mm. kind of a, a downer maybe. But oh. if you do subscribe to the buy low theory, um, mm. Casey Conway, the red shoe economist and the economist for the CCIM Institute has been warning for over a year that we're getting ready to go into a big recession. And he's warned that the commercial real estate value decline is going to be significant because we've had eight interest rate hikes so far. Um, and he's saying that the CRE assets value could face 25% declines mm -hmm. um, based on all of the CMBS and loans that are coming due, the fact that people did buy yeah. at the high of the market when cap rates were, you know, really, really yeah. low. And now you can't refinance anywhere near what right. the rates were. So if you do subscribe to the buy low, you might be, you know, wanting to keep your eyes out in the markets you want to be in because there may be some opportunities. good opportunities. Yeah. Um, Again, I some good opportunities. Right. And, and suffice it to say, you know, uh, Casey is speaking about national numbers. Correct. Correct. So, this is you know, a lot of our market, again, going back to the idea of insulation, you know, because we're, we're seeing an incredible demand on a lot of asset classes in commercial. I do believe that 
if there is some sort of adjustment on the CRE level, I believe that we have some, you know, some insulation. Some insulation. But we, yeah. we did also see during the height of the COVID real estate rush, we did see some pretty incredible cap rates where people yeah. were paying, you know, three and a half for yeah. cap and the interest rates were still at four and right. a half to five. So, But um, I'd be curious to find out yeah. how many, like, for example, in the industrial sector, how many of those purchases were end users? Because as Correct. you know, their, their calculation is different, right? And so I, I always wonder about that because a lot of the, the, the major competition for price appreciation came from end users. And some of that has to do with them getting EIDL money mm -hmm. and and, mm -hmm. and having the ability to buy instead of renting. So, you know. That's I'm, correct. I'm and really it depends, again, it goes to asset class, right? If you're buying True. multifamily or self-storage, yeah. you're not an end user, right? Correct. So, yeah. um, so again, right. going back to the original point that buy low, yeah. not every asset class is at the low at right. the same time in a cycle. Exactly. So. But it's all an opportunity, and of that's course. the way to, to approach it. Of you know. Course. So, all right. Well, listen, Alrighty. another one in the can. Thank you guys for joining us Thank in between two chairs. Us. All right. We'll see you soon. Yeah.